Welcome to Voices of the Valley, a series interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. Brought to you by Reedley College, educating the next generation of agriculturalists in advanced technology, efficient production practices, and food safety. Now here's your hosts of Voices of the Valley, Dennis Donahue and Candace Wilson. This is Dennis Donahue with Candace Wilson, and uh, welcome back for part two with the current chair of the Western Growers Association. I'm president of Hadley Date Gardens, Albert Keck. You know, this date thing is fascinating, but I want to uh, shift gears a little bit and have you put on your uh, chair of the WGA hat for a few minutes. You know, you're halfway through your tenure as the chair. Uh, what are the issues that, you know, there's so many. So, you know, in that long list, what have you kind of settled on in terms of priorities where you're applying your elbow grease and that type of thing? Well, thanks to Dave and the rest of the board, I'm only a quarter of the way through my chairmanship. Ah, okay. So we're, oh, you're on the two-year program. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah. That is intimidating. And, okay. and the reason with it's a smile on his face. That's an oh boy with a big smile. Well, I, I think what Albert well, is already finding out is a year goes fast. So well, uh, I, two years uh, sounds like you give you plenty of time I've, to settle I've, in. I've already fantasized how nice it would be if it was just one year. <laughs> <laughs> and I could be approaching the end. Uh, but it's I understand where, where Dave Puglia is coming from. Yeah, is in this role. You're just barely getting up to speed about now, uh, which would be if, uh, you know, say I'm about eight months into it, you're just getting up to speed. And then, you know, if this was just a one year gig, I'd be I'd be preparing to finish up. And but there's a lot of there's you know, we're in a transition because, you know, Dave's new president. I mean, he got sidelined for two years with COVID. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And so there's there there's just so much built up. I guess, pent up, you know, energy that, hey, we got to get going on so many things. And I like pushing people's buttons and, you know, asking dumb questions sometimes, but I do probably share a lot of the same frustrations that a lot of the board has. And, you you know, you and I have spoken about it, Dennis, but we've been playing defense so for so long. And I don't know how to, I mean, it seems like everything's, thrown at us so often and quickly that it's all we can do to just respond and react. And, and boy, I was just, I would love to be able to shift gears and play offense. And, you know, we're all, we're scratching our, how do we, how do we start doing some of that? And uh, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll come up with some plenty of ideas. Um, I like unconventional ideas. I, I, mean, I probably shouldn't mention them here, but you know, the cities are always throwing all their wonderful ideas on the farms. But, you know, this, this whole woke culture is a prime opportunity to throw some of it back on the cities, you know, but we, I don't know. We're always spending energy defending ourselves, put it that well, way. I, I certainly like your phrase that, uh, you know, that you spoke of when the last time I was in your office and then I was, you know, when I was kind of Googling the web, the website again, you know, you've used the phrase, we matter. And, uh, you know, and that seems to me to be a, a good place to start, uh, you know, and uh, that idea of uh, shifting from defense to offense. I know, I know Candace and I talk about that routinely and from time to time, even with our guests. 
But uh, well, yeah, one thing you're you and Candace are doing right now, the voices of the valley. Yeah, we we do preach a lot to the choir. How do we get out of that bubble and make an impact outside of our choir, right? And um, and so that's there's I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great ideas that come about, but Dave Dave has the passion and the energy, and and it's. And and it it is a lot to keep up with, and I and I'm I'm not saying that I'm saying that in you know relatively speaking because you know, with Dave's passion and energy, he's certainly charting the course as far as you know he's got he's got plenty on his plate and he knows he's got that vision. As chairman, it's trying to keep up with that and also trying to support or even uh, spur that on, and that it does take time and energy. I think the difficulty is trying to manage our own businesses and our own personal lives around that schedule. And, and that's my concern personally is like, okay, I'm chairman of Western growers. How do I keep up with this and also maintain our business and, and protect our business and, you know, pursue, pursue our business. Uh, And so that's my concern is this, is this keeping up with all of it? It's exciting. I've, I learned long ago that, having more on my plate than less is probably good for my personality because it keeps me going. It gets me up in the morning. It, you know, it's like, it's like I, it, it motivates me. And I think that's, that's what you really need to have in, in many roles uh, that we play is you need motivation. You need to have passion. And, and so I, I know that when I have a full plate, I got more than I know I can handle that to me, that motivates me. And I, and, and I'm, I'm actually, grateful that that's the effect it has on me uh, but it is a lot it's exciting um in our in our day and age we're seeing you know in our economy it's the information and services that dominate our gdp but like emily spoke earlier what what we all know to be true is uh when when you can't buy toilet paper or you can't find you know, what you want at the grocery store or the power grid goes down. Those things matter a lot more than most of the information and services that, you know, that seem to drive our economy. And so going back to the, you know, the point you made about mattering, I don't like going to the grocery store and seeing empty shelves. And, and I like, you know, our power went out the other day. I don't like when our power goes out. And I we're we're concerned about water now uh, in Coachella, even where we thought we wouldn't have to be, but we are getting concerned about that Colorado River watershed. And what happens when there's no water? And many of our, you know, uh, colleagues in the Central Valley, as you're well aware of, I'm sure that's been probably front and center with some of your Voices of the Valley podcast. Water, we used to take it for granted for so long. What's a world without these resources? And so maybe that's maybe that's where our opportunity is uh, as growers and as Western growers is to is to capitalize on uh, the fact that the consumers in our society are probably realizing that the supply chain hangs in a balance. The resources that we've developed in the past has led to a lot of our prosperity and we've we've neglected those sectors for, for a few decades now. 
And I think uh, we're starting to see the effects of that. So I'm hoping the culture turns for the better in that regard, where they uh, it starts to realize the, the the critical importance of our farms and our and our you know our our power grids, our highways, and our aqueducts. I'm hopeful that that is going to be better understood by by the people that vote. Up till now, it's it's been playing defense. It's uh, they just yeah, and and to to our credit and and maybe um, chagrin as farmers, we've continued to do such a good job that I think they realize it's like, well, what's the problem? We could just keep throwing stuff at them or taking away resources from them, and we all still eat. And that's uh, you know, I I think we're starting to see some of the foundations cracks in that foundation where you are starting to see uh, lack of supplies and maybe that'll be the turning point where we start to make some wins. So. I love what you said. Dennis hears this from me all the time, but what you said about we're always on the defense and there are so many great stories that we have to tell that we do. We have to change the narrative and start being on the, you know, being loud and proud about what we do and the advancements that we're making on the farm, the all of the work that we're putting into um, sustainable agriculture and, you know, own our own narrative. So whatever creative ways we can do that within our communities and coming together as Western growers, like beating the same sort of drum of consistent messaging. I think that's just something that we need to continue to pour a lot of energy into. I think one thing that I've noticed and I think in my career uh, lifetime has been one way we can capitalize on that. What you just said, Candace is a lot of times the, 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 I guess the, the words used in the narrative is, is farmers and Dave and I have spoken about this. It's not just farmers, it's our communities, it's our workers, it's their families, it's our whole economy in these inland valleys that's at stake. And as Western growers and as individual farmers, we need to begin identifying more with what we do with them in our communities. And uh, and that's and I think a lot of us at, on the board at Western Growers are quite conscious of that. There's not a farmer that I know that doesn't value his workers tremendously. There's also, uh, I don't think there's a farming enterprise that's perfect in this state. And that's, I think that's where, you know, in our, in, in this whole information age where everything is very easily cancelable, everybody's kind of reluctant to put themselves out there um, because you might do a hundred or 99 things right, but it's the one thing wrong that's going to make the news. And so we, we tend to just like, Hey, let's, let's not get involved. Let's not put ourselves out there. Let's, I got plenty of my own problems to worry about. Let's, I got, you know, why do I need to attract more? And that's, that's the negative of the information age, but the positive of Western growers is it can act as a voice and it can shield individual members from you know, that cancel culture. And that's, so that's, um, I think that's where Western growers is even more valuable is it, it does serve as a, as a voice in a, in a, you know, forum too. Um, but certainly a, a voice for agriculture and an effective voice for, for, for professional production agriculture. We are Western growers represents 
commercial producers. Um, and, and a lot of people don't understand that commercial producers are family farmers. By far, the vast majority of commercial producers are family farmers. And so the, the concern I have in that regard is the forces of the economic forces that we're facing, the global marketplace, all the regulations, the cost, and the, and the consolidation in the marketplace with the, with the retailers and the food manufacturers, that tends to promote consolidation within the production side of the industry. And I know uh, we've also spoken about this uh, at the board and the executive committee level is our, our family farms going to be able to, you know, be around in, you know, a couple decades, or is it just all going to be corporate farming? Um, and, you know, I think people understand that we are corporate farms. We're not, we're not like big pharma or big farms, like, Archer Daniels, we're not that way. We're, we're, we're family operations, but we're commercial scale. So people come and see us and they go, whoa, you guys are big. It's like, well, you know, define big. I mean, we're, we're big on, you know, on a main street mom and pop business level. Yeah, we're pretty big. Uh, on a U.S. corporation level, we're tiny. Even the biggest of us are not giant corporations like Bear, or, you know, or, or, or IBM or Microsoft or whatever. Uh, we're, we're small companies, generally speaking. But are we going to be going the way of like an Archer Daniels uh, or ConAgra or one of these, you know, some of these big corporations? I don't know. I don't know if that's possible in specialty crops, but it is a concern that the yeah, there are a lot of forces that are that are driving consolidation, and and that's yeah. We have to compete. We have to be we have to be competitive in the market. Sometimes you can be too small to be competitive, and and uh, whether that's good or bad, that's debatable. There's a lot of good that comes out of consolidation. Also, uh, you get better uh, better management, uh, better efficiencies. Um, Sometimes you lose something too, and that that could be, you know, specific care and know-how, whether it's employees or, or or crops. We'll see. I don't think I don't think those forces are new though. I think that's always been the case with with uh, progress and and technology. Well, speaking of technology, and let, let's kind of uh, begin to wrap up wrap up with that. You know, the last time uh, I was in your office, we were uh, bringing down a group to the Coachella Valley. Uh, to look at automation. And I, we've often talked about your nephew at Caltech and, uh, you know, he was part of the last mission to Mars and getting a robot up there and that sort of thing, which is a lot of firepower to begin thinking about some, some of our challenges. You've been a big supporter of innovation and technology. What's your general advice, whether it's entrepreneurs or larger companies that are beginning to you know, focus on the specialty crop market and kind of cycling back to there's so many issues to deal with. Where do you see innovation and technology? And if you were to give someone some advice, hey, I and talking with my peers, we really can use help here. You know, water in so many respects just ends up being a function of policy and infrastructure, you know, and you're looking at technology for efficiency or something like that. But, you know, having been on the board and directly involved yourself. What, 
what advice would you give to companies that are saying, okay, I want to try and help solve problems and, you know, maybe a thought or two about where you see the biggest need? Well, uh, yeah, technology is, is, is definitely moving uh, quickly in a direction that's positive for agriculture. I think regarding, uh, you know, you've been, you've been spearheading a lot of the outreach to, you know, mechanical automation and robotics and whatnot, but we also have a, probably a revolution in, uh, coming up with sensor technology. And I think these, you know, I don't know what they call them, low earth orbit satellites that are all proliferating. Um, that's all going to lead to, to precision that's very affordable. And uh, of course that can translate to water, right? And we can, you know, we're, we're getting to the point now where we can do, uh, I think the technology is there. I don't know if it's, if it's at the level of widespread, you know, adaptation, adoption, but um, we're getting to the point where I can see that each of our blocks has satellite monitoring which can translate to irrigation uh, based on actual consumptive use of the plant, which can trigger or actuate our pumping stations to apply the water. I mean, it, I think the sensor technology is gonna get, get there where you have monitoring, you know, aerial or satellite monitoring on a very affordable basis with sensors and actuators that, that can be very, that can, you know, precisely apply water when and where needed. Uh, probably the same for fertilizer inputs. Um, so that that's going to be something we'll see. The price points of those components are probably going to come down pretty quickly with time. Uh, that might that might actually allow smaller farmers to to main to stay in the game, which could be a, a nice benefit from that. The other thing would be the robotics is, and uh, you, that's what you were, when you brought the tour down to Coachella and Imperial, we were talking about that. Uh, with dates in particular, we're not going to, people are not going to develop something for dates, but they could adapt something else they develop for some other crop for dates. And that's where I think um, the benefit, that's one of the benefits that we'll, that, that I feel we'll get in the date industry is, you know, fletish or strawberries, if they if they solve this problem with robotics, hey, with a few tweaks here and there, we can actually maybe instead of having so much labor needed to thin medjools, we can have labor uh, applying robotic thinners onto the bunches and be much more productive. You know, that's a productivity improvement on labor, which then supports a higher wage and results in maybe a less costly product. And so that's what happens with technology. That's what our hope is with technology, right? We reduce the cost, increase the worker's wage or, or actually work conditions. And, and I'm optimistic we're going to see some of those wins. Um, the other win that we can see tied to technology in the data industry would be uh, if, if uh, certain crews, uh, if it took you know, a certain amount of harvesters for uh I guess, vegetable crops in the valley that then get replaced by technology, well, that opens up labor availability, which we're desperately in need of in all these crops uh, for other crops that don't directly have the technology applied to them. Well, that labor can then 
transfer skills to to the crops that don't get the robots. And so there's there's some optimism there. The other, you know, going back to the to the point I made earlier about our interest is also aligned with the interests of our workers and our communities. These agricultural jobs, in my opinion, are good jobs. They're a lot of them are laborious, they're difficult in that sense. But the people that make their careers in agriculture and our companies who work hard also make pretty decent wages. When you compare them to the, the jobs that, that are uh, offered in the urban communities, our workers are making just as good and sometimes better wages than, some, than many of those jobs. And so there's, there's two things. Agriculture labor is skilled labor. And a colleague of mine said it, I don't know if it was Drew Belk here locally or maybe it was Joe Del Bosque or something. Have you interviewed Joe? Del- He's always saying good stuff. Yeah, hard work is a skill. <laughs> yeah, we have we have hard workers. They get up in the morning and they go tackle their jobs and they make money. And there are people, it doesn't matter what they pay, what you pay them, they won't work. Yeah, we have this work ethic in our workforce, which is a skill. And we need to honor and, and reward that. And that's that's as a as a farmer, that's yeah, that's what our struggle is. It's like we have to reward our labor. We have to keep incentivizing them to do what they do. And then at the same time, they have to grow a product that we can compete in a marketplace with in a global environment. And I, 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 I lecture my employees on that all the time. It's like, hey, guys, you know, all of us go to the supermarket for our stuff. If I go buy something and I don't like it, I'm probably not going to buy it again. Or I'm going to want to buy another brand. And, and so I, you know, I, I do try to link what they're doing to why, you know, it's important. And, and then in the bigger picture with uh, during COVID, I, boy, our workers were just heroes during COVID. There were rumors that they had relatives stuck at home on sofas making more money than they were working. They were classified as essential. Uh, we had our customers just, yeah, just the, the, our customers were actually very appreciative that we kept the trucks rolling. And I, and I felt good about that. I felt, hey, you know, we're, we're not dropping the ball. And, uh, but I also felt very proud and appreciative of our workers who came to work during those difficult days and uh, who put up with all the uncertainty and without having vaccinations. And so that was, you know, that, that really, uh, we have something special here in agriculture and I've seen it in other places, Central Valley. I mean, you, these communities, you know, they're not, they're, they don't get, they don't get the public appreciation that they should. And they're not victims. Most of the public narrative out there is trying to make them into victims. They're not victims, but they are heroes. Well, I think that underscores your theme of we matter. Yeah. And it's been a great conversation. All I know is that I'm, I'm excited to get back down there this fall. You know, we haven't even scratched the surface. You know, you talked about recipes. We haven't talked about date burgers. We haven't talked about date shakes. And I still remember coming to a date commission meeting. The date ice cream was terrific. So I'm, I'm sure dates, uh, best days are ahead. And uh, uh, we really we really appreciate you making so much time to visit with us because we we know you are, are busy. So uh, terrific to see you. Hope to see you in a few weeks. And I'm glad you're only a quarter of a way through your oh, uh, tour, tour, of, tour of duty. Scary. 
<laughs> Albert, I really do. What goes into a date shake? Well, it's milk, ice cream, and dates, pretty much. You That's can it. add some okay. cinnamon if you want. Perfect. <laughs> they're they're terrific. They're, and they are terrific. And uh, oh. as is as date ice cream. So I'll put in a plug. I have yet to step up to the plate on a date burger, though, Albert. I'll, I'll get there. You know, I know the prunes were, were uh, touting a, a, an additive to ground beef with prune paste. And we haven't gotten there yet. But yeah, well, no, I go, I, I go with dates over prunes. So I'm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Albert, th thanks very much for uh, for joining us today. And uh, we, we appreciate it. And great to see you. And Candace. Let's uh, plan on coming back again soon with another episode of Voices of the Valley. Thanks for listening to the Voices of the Valley podcast, brought to you today by Reedley College. To learn more about Reedley College's Agriculture and Natural Resources program and the courses offered in ag technology, food safety, and plant science, you can visit reedleycollege.edu.